Now, let's go back to uh, uh, the book of Proverbs. And, and let me try to tell you again, uh, I mean, we, we had a week off, and that's plenty of time to forget everything. Um, but um, what I'm trying to do is to try and describe a, um, an outlook, a spiritual outlook, a mindset that is, how should we view life, all of it, every bit of it? It's just um, I bring into my, uh, my living experience a, an outlook. Um, we started in that first stanza that, uh, that pointed to things that were accomplished in the past, like God's steadfast love and his faithfulness. I, I, I am never to forget those things of his, uh, his steadfast love and his faithfulness. But then we've come to this second stanza where it has more to do about how do I, how do I cope with the future, which so frightens me uh, on numerous occasions. Um, I'm so worried about what's in the offing. And, and the exhortation here is how do, I, how do I view that? What's my perspective on those future fears? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on, on your own understanding. Um, so that's what we talked about two weeks ago. You may remember that, that text in um, Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six that says, um, um, he who trusts in his own mind, yeah, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. <laughs> it's quite a, quite a caustic statement. Um, but that's what this is militating against. Um, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And here it says, if you do that, if you lean on your own understanding, you're a fool, <laughs> which is rather comical almost. But that's where we were two weeks ago. Tonight we come to this second sentence in this second stanza um, in, in verse uh, 6. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. So that's what we want to talk about tonight. Just in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. All right, looking at the text, just first of all, the admonition is in all of our ways, not just our church attendance, not just our spiritual life, but in our marriage, in our family, in our career, uh, in our uh, money, um, in all your ways, all your ways, acknowledge him. Now, guys, um, that word acknowledge, um, I looked at it in every language I could find it. Um, we know that word. We know, we know what the word acknowledge means. We use that word in common parlance, I think. We, we, are, we are familiar with the word acknowledge. But what does it mean to acknowledge? So I got out a, a Webster's Dictionary, of all things, and very honestly, folks, it was very helpful. It was a very, um, I mean, it took the word and it gave me three different um, kind of versions of a definition. Now, to acknowledge means, that is, this is what we're being called to do, in all your ways, acknowledge Here's what to acknowledge means. To admit to be real or true as in to acknowledge that the earth is round. Okay? That is, 
to admit. Uh, one of the things I'm calling to do is to admit to the reality and the truthfulness of God in all my ways. Secondly, the second definition Webster gave me, to, um, to recognize the authority or validity or claims of. Oh, I like that one. To recognize the authority, the validity, or the claims of God over all of my ways. All of my ways. You know, you've, <clears throat> I bet you've, um, you've heard people talk about, well, they do certain things on Sunday, but on Monday morning they're different people. Well, to acknowledge the Lord in all my ways means to recognize His authority or validity or claims of or over me in all my ways. Here's the third one. To show appreciation or gratitude for, like, uh, like you were to say, I am writing you this to acknowledge the receipt of your kind and generous gift. Um, to show appreciation or be grateful for. So if I am going to acknowledge God in all my ways, I'm going to admit to the reality and the truthfulness uh, of his, his statements about all my ways. I'm going to recognize the authority, the validity, or claims of God over all my ways, and I'm going to show appreciation or gratitude for his sovereign care of me in all my ways. It goes on. It even gave me some, um, some synonyms to concede, to grant, to admit, to agree. All of those words will, will help you understand this idea of acknowledging him, to grant, to admit, to agree. And it often implies making a statement. Uh, often reluctantly, about something previously doubted or denied. When I was in college, I was the ruler of all my ways. But now I acknowledge that God is the ruler. I'm, I'm making a statement about something previously denied or doubted. I used to think this, but now I acknowledge his rights over all of my ways. When it comes to my, to my career, I recognize the authority or validity of his claims over my career. When it comes to my money, <clears throat> I am to recognize the authority or validity or his claims over all my money, or I am to show appreciation or gratitude for my career or my money. That's what it means to acknowledge him in all your ways. I concede. I look at all my ways and I say, I surrender. 
you have rights and claims over all my ways, and I acknowledge that those are right and those are true and those are valid. I am being called upon when I am looking at my future and all of my concerns and all my fears, I am going to acknowledge that he has authority and validity or claims to all of those things. Now, guys, um, I hope that will help you at least understand what it means in all your ways acknowledge him. But then in the B part of the verse, you get a promise. Um, if we do acknowledge him in all our ways, he will make straight your paths. Guys, that's a big deal. Um, you remember that was, that was John the Baptist's whole ministry, was that he was to precede Jesus and to make straight his paths. He was to... Um, Knock down all the hills so that Jesus wouldn't have to climb any hills and turn any corners and wind around. He was to make straight those paths. So the promise is, in all your ways acknowledge him. And in this very confusing and complex life that we all have, he'll make straight the paths. He'll make the paths less bendy, less windy less curvy so that we can see our way clear to walk down them. And you know, guys, when you look back in retrospect, can't you see that God has done that in your life? And isn't it fun to, to see it? Guys, um, I don't want to make myself an example of anything uh, except how not to do things. And I am by no means making a claim that I have acknowledged God in all my ways. But I have seen him do things um, where he was making my path straight. I want to tell you just quickly about two of them. Just They're small things, but... Guys, um, when it comes to the IRS, I am considered self-employed. Did you realize that? I'm an independent contractor. Did you? Uh, that's what the IRS considers me, an independent, self-employed contractor. So um, I, uh, I have to pay quarterly taxes. Um, the church doesn't take any taxes out of my check. I have to pay those taxes on a quarterly basis. And some of you have to do the same thing. The normal months for paying quarterly taxes are April, June, September, and January. But this year, oh, 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 oh. if you pay quarterly taxes, you know what a mess this year was. Um, your, your first payment was due in July, and your second payment was due in June. <laughs> now figure that one out. My first payment was due in July, but my second payment was due in June. But then, then it kind of smoothed out, and, and it was, you know, it's down to the normal September and January. Well, this happened on September the 11th, 9-11. It was, it was early one morning, and, and I, was, um, I was praying. <laughs> um, and I don't even know what I was praying about. But all of a sudden, I got shook that quarterly taxes were due in September. 
And it was 9-11, they're due on the 15th. I ran up to my office um, and looked on my desk calendar and and that's you know y- y'all do those things on your phones. I don't. I I have you know a desk calendar. Where I write things down. It was not written down on September the faith, uh, September the fifteenth. Pay your taxes. But while I was downstairs praying, God dropped that into my rem- my my consciousness. Got to go pay your taxes. He made my path straight. Now, I don't go to jail if you miss a quarterly payment, but you have to pay a fine. And I'm telling you, folks, I didn't have it written down. I don't have it on my phone. I don't do that. And, and, it, and, and here I am praying downstairs on 9-11, and, and who knows what I was praying about. All of a sudden, boing, pay your taxes. God did that. He made my path straight. Another one happened two days later. We had had Grace Group, and one of our members of our Grace Group uh, owns a home in Southwind. So because there's such limited parking in, in um, uh, Southwind, he asked us to park in the parking lot in front of the country club. So that's what we did. Susie and I parked over there, and we walked to his house. It's on the first fairway. And... Um, we finished our grace group, and we were walking back, and it was dark. Um, and so I got in the car, and, you know, we were pretty tired, and, and, and I started backing up. And then I noticed something um, <coughs> that I hadn't seen before. A truck, a black truck was right behind me. I mean, I, I was just tired and eager to get home. But I looked into the rearview mirror. Another four inches, and I would have had a big mess on my hands. But the Lord made my path straight. It's, it's like, I mean, I know this is silly, but it's like he... And there's that big black truck staring at me. And I didn't hit it because he made my path straight. Gang, I give you those two examples because let me tell you, take a minute. Think about the times that God has intervened to make your path straight. Or think about the times that he hasn't. Um, and, And perhaps it's because we have not observed the A part of verse 6. Gang, think of in all those ways that he has made our path straight. How he has intervened on these little bitty things just to make life simpler. That, I think, ladies and gentlemen, is the promise um, coming to life. Um, Guys, when it comes to the future... Do this. Don't do what we do. Lean on our own understanding. Because you want to you guide things? <coughs> Have at it. 
Go run into the black truck if you like. Forget to pay your taxes if you, if you care to. But if you like the idea, Jesus certainly did, of a straight path, then acknowledge in all your ways the Lord God's sovereign rule over them. Everything, ladies and gentlemen. Everything. I want to finish tonight. I want to I show you two stories. Well, I want to tell you two stories. And then, one other, well, actually three stories. But the first one is out of the book, I mean, it's, it's out of the book of Judges, but it's about Gideon. And if you can find uh, Judges 6 real fast, that would be good. But if not, just listen and I'll tell you the story. You know, um, you know what Judges is. It's this, it's this circle of uh, repetition. It is Israel sins. They get overtaken by a foreign enemy. Uh, they cry out to God for forgiveness. He sends a deliverer. They're delivered. And then they have peace. Until they sin again, and then they get overtaken. Okay. Well, um, one of those deliverers, of course, was Gideon. Everybody knows Gideon. He's the one that laid out the fleece. Remember him? He's also the guy that had an army of 22,000 to fight the Midianites of 120,000. And, um, <clears throat> and he sent all but 300 of them home. Remember that? Well, so uh, if, you, if you're at Judges 6, you'll notice this. Right above... Right before 6, chapter 6 starts, there's this sentence, and the land had rest for 40 years. So Israel had been at peace for 40 years, and then 6 opens up, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Again! So here we go again. And so the Midianites overtake them and oppress them. Verse 11 now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah. There's that angel of the Lord again. And by the way, look at verse 16. And Yahweh said, by the way, perfectly consistent with what I've taught you twice, that the angel of the Lord is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And there's the Lord, Yahweh, being equated with the angel of the Lord. All right, but that's not my point. The angel of the Lord shows up and says, Gideon, I want you to go deliver Israel. And Gideon says, I can't do that. You know, I'm the least, where I'm from, the least of the tribes, and I'm the least of my family. You know, I'm a nobody. And the Lord says um, uh, in verse 16, yes, but I'll be with you. And um, <clears throat> uh, Gideon says, well, wait a minute. Could you just do me a favor? Just hold on a few minutes. I'd like to cook you a meal. So the angel of the Lord says, yes, okay, go ahead. So he, he goes and he cooks the meal and he brings it back out. So, you know, it takes a couple hours. So he goes and he gets it and, and brings it back. And then, um, uh, verse 21, then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat in the unleavened cakes and fire <coughs> sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. Okay, gang. Uh, so here we are. Here's poor Gideon. He doesn't know anybody. He, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a nobody. And um, the angel of the Lord shows up and says, don't worry, I'm going to be with you. And he says, well, could you prove it to me? And he says, could you wait while I cook the meal? Yes, I'll wait. So he goes cook the meal. He brings the meal back. He puts it on the rock. And the angel of the Lord takes his staff, touches the meal, and fire bursts out of the rock and consumes the meat and the broth. By the way, he says, pour the broth on there and make it wet. <clears throat> Whoa! <clears throat> I, guess, I guess this is real. 
So that night, he takes some of his servants and he pulls down all the, 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 uh, the, the idols to Baal. Gets in a little trouble, but gets away with it. Then it comes to the battle. You know, I just said 22,000 men. We, we send all but 300 of them home. And, um, and Gideon's, he's just as unbelieving now as he was in this event that I just showed you. He says, okay, if I'm supposed to do this, I'm going to put the fleece out here. Could it be wet and that be dry? And, and then, oh, okay, well, that was good. But could you do it the opposite way tomorrow night? God does that. Gang, I've, I've told you this long story to, to simply say this. In the 40 years that Israel had rest, when you walk away from God and, and do not acknowledge him in all your ways, the heart grows so hard that you can't even recognize him when he shows up and does tricks. I shouldn't call them tricks. You can't recognize Yahweh when he has performed a miracle in front of you because your heart has grown so hard. What more did Gideon want after he had touched it and the fire consumes everything? But he's got to have more. Why? Because he had lived for years without acknowledging God in all his ways. And so when God finally shows up, you don't even recognize him. You know, this morning I was in Isaiah chapter 19, and it's, a, it's an oracle against Egypt. And in this oracle against Egypt, God says to Egypt, the wisest counselors of Pharaoh give stupid counsel. The Lord has mingled within her a spirit of confusion. You know what that is? That's crooked paths. <laughs> you know, we want the straight ones. But no, the Lord mixes in a spirit of confusion. And we are idiots. We're stupid. Because we've spent so long not acknowledging him in all our ways. We can't even recognize him when he does a miracle before our very eyes. And so when he drops that little thing and says, pay your taxes, we don't see it. He delivers us from running into the black truck. I didn't know that was him. Guys, um, I have a friend, a dear friend, who I've known for 35 years or so. And when I first met him, he was... Um, Quite a consistent believer, um, doing, following the Lord in, in a lot of ways, a lot of observable ways, a lot of observable fruit. But then, um, I don't know, he fell off the face of the planet into the awaiting arms of sin and lived, I don't know, 15, 20 years just in some rot gut stuff, rot gut stuff, stuff I don't want to mention from the pulpit. 
But he was telling me this story just recently, and he said, you know, Jimmy, it all started when I stopped going to church. Gang, the church of Jesus Christ is no magical institution that keeps you out of sin. The church of Jesus Christ is no magical institution that in and of itself converts people's lives and makes them better. But do you know what the church of Jesus Christ is? It's a place where you are reminded to admit to be real or true and to acknowledge Him in all your ways. You keep getting reminded that you need to recognize the authority and the validity and the claims of God over your life. It's in the church where you are to show appreciation and gratitude. It's in the church where people are told, hey, you know what it says here, right in Proverbs 3? It says acknowledge Him in all your ways. He will make your path straight. Gang, life is hard. For all of us. But you want to see it get harder? Then ignore this counsel. Not mine. The Proverbs 3 thing. Ignore that. Folks, none of this is earned. That is, God making our path straight. None of this is deserved. It's just the product of having God in the right place and you, us, in the right place. Because every time he sees something that looks like Jesus, he straightens out the road. Tell you one more little um, anecdote, and I'm done. There is a statement found in Mark chapter nine, which <laughs> I bet you prayed this before. Um, it's a it's a great prayer, and it's a great thing to pray. Um, th- this man in Mark nine has an epileptic son. And, you know, it, uh, the, the disciples have been working on him. They, didn't, they couldn't do him any good. And, and so Jesus shows up and, and says, um, you know, let me, let me uh, uh, handle this. And, and the man says this, <clears throat> Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. You know, that's a good prayer. You prayed it? I bet you have. But what it says is, in essence, it says, I acknowledge that without God, I can't even believe. I can't even believe as I ought. God, if I'm going to believe you, you're going to have to help me do it. Because I recognize your claim of rights and authority over all of my life. 
Oh, Lord, pray this. Pray, Lord, I've got some faith, but it ain't enough. So would you sustain it? Would you strengthen it? Would you deepen it? Oh, God, would you? Don't let it fail. Make this little kernel of faith the power at the center of my life so that in everything that I do, You get the credit for it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is to acknowledge him in all your ways. Right down to your believing. You don't even believe well. Oh, we don't believe well. We don't repent well. And if God were to demand perfect repentance and faith, we would all perish. And so we go to him and we say, even here, at the very center of my religious and spiritual being, I acknowledge that if you don't help me, It might all fall apart. Oh, guys, life is hard. And if we wanted to straighten out just a little bit, then we ought to maybe try this. It's a It's the way that we are to look at things. It is the Christian mindset. Not a Christian mindset. The Christian mindset. That in everything that I am and I do, and I have, I acknowledge Him. I wouldn't dream of stealing one particle of credit that would rob him of his glory. In all my ways, my driving, my cooking, my selling, my teaching, my breathing, in all my ways, I acknowledge him. That's what we're after, ladies and gentlemen, brother and sister. That's what we're after. Let's pray. Our Father, would you perform that work that I just spoke of? Would you show us just how that, that in us no good thing dwells? That apart from you, we can do nothing. And yet, O oh God, you are eager to drop reminders of tax dates. You come alongside and prevent us from smashing cars. You do that, O oh God, because you keep your word. You do those things, and every brother and sister in this room knows of those things. 
But Father, if we have walked away and spent too long away from this cardinal principle of truth, forgive us and bring us back to the place where we love the idea of you getting credit for it all. Father, um, keep us safe. Would you build a hedge of protection around this congregation, her people, these buildings, such that this virus might not ravage us? Guard us, O oh God, not because we deserve it, but we're asking you, would you make our path straight? For Jesus' sake, amen.